Welcome to Face Value with me, Brock Elbank. I'm a London-based photographer who over the past decade has documented well over 500 incredible human beings from around the world for various portrait series, including beards, freckles, vitiligo, CMN, and most recently scars, with a simple aim to raise body positive and mental health awareness through my Instagram page, Mr. Elbank. This podcast, in conjunction with the Brock Elbank Foundation, goes back through my archive and has conversations with former subjects for these series to discuss their incredible journeys and inspiring stories. So please sit back, relax and enjoy. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Trudy. Good morning. (laughs) And welcome to episode four of um, Face Value with Brock Elbank, which is me. Um, I have the wonderful Trudy Hayes, uh, who is kindly giving up her Friday morning for me, all the way from the lovely Emerald Isle. This is Ireland. Good morning, Trudy. (laughs) And welcome again to face value how are you really good how are you i'm i'm excellent ready for the weekend and for guinness (laughs) well unfortunately i due to um health scares i can only drink naught percent guinness now but beggars can't be choosers and it 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 works it does the trick (laughs) it does the trick but i would love nothing more than to come over to ireland and and pop into a pub in dublin that is that is for sure you must make it over sometime, definitely. I've been, I have been over, um, not for a long time, but in my sort of, um, I mean, I wouldn't say heyday as such, but um, back in my 20s, I, I did pop over quite a few occasions. But um, to um, introduce yourself, please, as we are, I mean, and I say format for the show, and I say show is the broadest sense of the term, as this is only the fourth episode. If you could just introduce yourself, Trudy, and explain to the listeners how we met and why we are talking today, please. Yeah, so my name is Trudy Hayes. I'm 44. Um, I have trained as a hairdresser, but I own a company called Raven now, um, which is also in the beauty industry. Um I had two kidney transplants a couple of years ago and I have a lot of scarring because of that and I think you found me on Instagram and got in touch and that's how we uh, came into contact with each other. You photographed me about two years ago, I think, at this point. Or maybe more, actually, because there was COVID Uh, in between. It was probably 20 years ago, Trudy. At this point, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's taken us 20 years to get this going. (laughs) No, we're okay. You're doing absolutely fine. I'm feeling quietly confident this morning. Um, We did indeed. We met... um, I I was following... um, I was when I do a series, I always follow that hashtag. So scars was a hashtag that I followed because it, it's just a good way of of um, discovering people on on social media. Yeah, and I think I I, I, I just sort of stumbled upon your page, and and I, I mean I know that we did speak earlier in the week, um, but 
there was there was a photograph of you probably at your lowest point, which we'll get on to. Yeah. Um, which completely intrigued me. Um, I knew very little about your condition um, and especially what you've been through. Um, but there was a lot of positivity um, after a very bad deal of cards that you've been dealt. Um, yeah. So so we did we did get you over. Um, I can't even remember when it was pre. We'll say pre COVID. I think it was about twenty eighteen. I'd imagine P, yeah, something like that. P C and B C or before uh, <laughs> A A C A C B C. That's what it's like going to be now, isn't it? A C B C before and after COVID. Um, <laughs> the new the new uh, calendar that will be coming out. So uh, Trudy, I mean, you've obviously just mentioned kidney transplants uh if we can sort of go back to just before all of this happened and just uh, revisit um yeah how life was before you found out and what happened afterwards please yeah so um i guess uh just a couple of years before probably 2008 and stuff i've i probably had what i thought anyway was the most ideal life or, or what you think when you're growing up i was engaged to be married. We had just bought a lovely house. We were doing it up. Um, yeah, I had a, a gorgeous car. We went, went on lots of holidays every year. We just had a lovely life. And I thought I was in love and ready to just, this was going to be my life now. And I worked in one of the top songs in town. And if you remember this time, it was like the boom, you know, across the world. And everybody had lots of money. And it was very prestigious. And because of that, we were affiliated with lots of big product companies and they'd fly us around like London, New York, Milan, everywhere, every weekend. So it sounded all very glamorous, but actually it was just exhausting and you didn't get to see anything. We were just like in doing shoes or, or yeah. doing fashion shows and then out. Um, so I just remember I was a workhorse really. But um, at the time, I guess I was getting lots of headaches and probably from working so much, but I didn't realise at the time. And I just ignored them and I was taking paracetamol and just blown them off and just thinking, just getting on with it. And I was so busy. I was too busy to be sick. So one year, I think L'Oreal sent us to London to do London Fashion Week. It was a massively hectic week. Um, anyone who's worked on London Fashion Week couldn't back me up here. There's just no downtime. Um, mm. So I got a massive headache and I started vomiting in the morning and I just thought, guys, I can't do this. And I, was, I wasn't the type of person to take a day off. So when I said I really have to go home, I think everybody thought, God, there's actually something wrong. So I got a flight home and um, my dad got a phone call from the, pl the, the pilot, really, like the actual pilot rang my dad because wow. uh, I was being rushed to hospital. So I actually don't know really what happened to me in that well, time. On, on the plane? On the plane, yeah. So I obviously just passed or... out or something, I can't remember. So you actually had the pilot informing your dad yeah that something awful had happened yeah and i think i i mentioned this to you before but like you don't think of your next to kin or who's on your uh, next to kin i mean at that point it should have been my other half really but like you never think yeah. any, anything's going to happen i think so mine's my, my mum i think mine's my mum she's passed away in 2008 yeah because eight. Regular i'm not person laughing never at thinks. that i'm just yeah. saying yeah i've still got uh passports and stuff with that yes Crazy. So, so your dad, your dad got the call from yeah, from the and then pilot. I, I just remember. I'm sure he was terrified, and mm. I remember I woke up in intensive care um, with organ failure. 
And the news that I would have to go on dialysis and um, have a kidney transplant. And my world just absolutely turned upside down from that moment. Really, that's general gist of what happened at that time. So, so you went from basically living this uh, almost jet-set life, um, the foreseeable for future looks mm. rosy, everything's in place, you know, you're ticking all those boxes. Yeah, obviously, and then, almost smug. <laughs> well, you, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, just enjoying life, and, and then all of a sudden, the, pull, the rug's pulled from under your feet. Completely. And... Um, and you've been informed of you've had org and and so you you go you're saying about the headaches and and that was that, how long were you feeling out of sorts because i mean to have organ failure that's that's pretty extensive problem yeah. problem yeah i mean for, i mean was it because of this sort of living by the sea to your pants work slash lifestyle i'd imagine so i'd imagine like probably working a lot not not drinking enough water, um, mm. been completely living on adrenaline and probably high levels of cortisone in my body. It just, yeah. it's too much to live like on the edge on like that, that all yeah, of the time, yeah. you know? And I was always like rushing to places and being in a hurry and I don't think I ate properly and I don't probably think I, I drank enough, like hydrated and probably yeah, yeah. partying then, you know, We're probably having drinks after work and yeah. Probably having drinks after that. <laughs> the Irish <laughs> okay. in me. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Let's not stereotype. Yeah. <laughs> so when when you were... Um, so you were saying you were 26 when that yeah. happened, Trudy. So um, you wake up in hospital. They've dropped this bombshell on you. I mean, what what was the next... Uh, procedure. I mean, did you have uh, surgery straight away, or I oh mean, God, what, no, were you just no. having loads of tests, or what? What? What was no, the next bit? They waited for me to come out of intensive care, and then I had to um, start dialysis straight away. Um, yeah, and that's like just just, just, to, just to explain to people that aren't aware of what dialysis is in, yeah. in sort of layman's terms. Uh, what What is that? Please. Okay, so what's the process? So when your kidneys stop working, you stop producing urine. So you just don't wee anymore. In, in layman's terms, you just don't mm. wee. So you yep. can imagine all those. You need to wee to get rid of toxins. Yep. So when you're not doing that, it's just accumulating in your body. So you're right. really, really unwell. Um, mm. So what dialysis does is it takes your blood into out of your body into a machine. The machine cleans it and puts it back into your body. So, so is it like a transfusion? Is it like a transfusion sort of thing? Almost, yeah, yeah. Except it cleans the blood. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it's it's your own blood though going back into you. Um, and so it's quite clever, actually. It's amazing. It's amazing. But yeah. I think science and medical stuff it's, it is incredible. I mean, yeah. how how someone can even work that out is is I mean Unreal. I mean or I think with this series, just to dive in there, Trudy. I mean, it, it, one thing I've learned with each subject depending on what what you know what what uh things have happened to them it's just incredible what the medical staff are able to do and Un how unbelievable yeah i mean you, so, people would die otherwise like you wouldn't survive that you're, you're what, what happens is if you don't you go without dialysis for even a couple of days 
um, you just balloon out because all of that fluid is just in your body. You yeah. can't get rid of it. So it's just like, so you'll see people who have probably skipped it. There are people that do that and their heads are like, you know, massive. Really? You know, really? they're just full of fluid. Yeah. So, so how long were you in hospital for with this, you know, after being rushed in? How you, You've gone in, you're having dialysis. I mean, how was that initially? So... Um, f- scary and they kept me in for probably three weeks and obviously there's nothing ever happened to me in my lifetime so I never I was naive and I didn't know what was going on and I was quite positive in my attitude always um, in life in general and I just thought I'll just go back to work and it's funny when you get sick because people are like they think you're going to be like oh I'm going to tick all these bucket list boxes that you are going to do but actually you just want normality you just want to go back to work you just want nobody to talk about being sick and you, you just want to have the usual like your alarm clock goes off at seven you get up you have a shower you want normal um mm. which you think the opposite if you've never been ill uh so I thought I'd be able to go back to work and after three weeks in hospital um they were trying to talk me out of going back to work in my full like full time and I naively tried um to fit in work here and there when I wasn't on the machine and it was silly you can't do that so I guess I tried that for about two months and slowly but surely came to a realisation that I can't work really that much anymore. And obviously we were like, we needed the two wages to make it work at home. Um, and as time goes on, I was get more ill and I was, we were up and down to the hospital. I was waking up in the middle of the night to get, you know, to vomit and I wasn't well. And we were fighting because we weren't getting enough sleep and... We were arguing a lot. And I think by October of the following year, where I was in and out of hospital all of that time, and it was just like constant living on eggshells kind of with me, um, uh, we went into like recession and he lost his job. So we were in a sticky situation, you know, with no money and just, yeah, just awful. So my dad eventually said to me, you know, I want to get tested. I want to see if I'm a match for you. So we did that. Um, I, it took me ages to get to that point, if I'm honest, because I don't know, it's very hard to think of making someone else sick in order to make you feel better. And especially your dad, because you think if anything happens to him, like, and then it's my fault and you have to live with yeah. that. Yeah, yeah it, it messes with your head whole lot but at the same time you're getting sicker and thinking and quality of life's just yeah. gone completely out of the window by this point yeah really. completely but he got tested and he was um a match and we went ahead with the surgery and it all went well and for like literally three months it was going well but then I started to suffer from um I was having seizures and stuff and um been brought back into hospital with seizures after falling somewhere you know out shopping or something mm. and like passing out and having a seizure and people bringing me back in and uh, it turned out it's my body rejecting the transplant. So after six months of trying to fix it and to get it back going, um, it was just so disheartening. They brought me in and said, we have to take this out. Um, I was actually crushed. I was so crushed for my dad. It was crushed for me. I was guilty. I was, it was awful. How, how was it? For, I mean, I mean, I can't even imagine uh, how, how that, must have felt but I mean as a father um and I'm you know I'm a father myself all you want is for your kids to be 
happy and healthy yeah, and and safe and and you i think you know obviously if uh, anyone's put in that position they're going to want the best for their kids but it must have been a real blow for him as well you know donating a kidney and and thinking he's saved his daughter and then and then that happening it must have been quite dark for you family as well yeah all of us were in in a state like it was just uh, it was absolutely awful where where were you were you still at the house at this point i was still at the house at that point and i mean um we weren't getting on that well but we were still trying to make it work and we were broke like we were absolutely Mm. broke like and obviously it was in the you know it wasn't a time i thought it was like that sex in the city time it was almost you couldn't tell anybody you didn't have any money. You were so embarrassed. Yeah. Even though we were going into recession, like still lots of money around because um, it was only very early on. Um, mm. where I think it's different now. You know, you could probably have said it. I think we're still at that point well, where it was almost shameful to yeah. have got yourself into that situation. No, and I, I remember mean, the, I... The, the doctor said to me, you know, um, we've got to take this kidney out. And I, mm. I just told him no, <laughs> as if I had any sort of choice in that matter. But I just what, was like, this is the one you... thing I want to hold on to. I have to oh, hold right. on to this. Because you so. kind of felt that you didn't want that taken away from yeah, you. Yeah, as well as everything else. But the minute he, the doctor left the, the room, um, uh, my partner turned and said to me, I, I can't do this again. And what? that, yeah. Well, uh, after... You being literally told that the kidney had to come out. Yeah. And the partner just said, that's it, I can't, I can't help, I can't be there anymore. Well, you just said, I can't do this a second time. Like, half of me kind of understands it, but at the other point, I was just like, well, I can't, I can't do it on my own either again. Like, this is horrific. Wow. Um, so, yeah, so, I mean, was, I was, that the end of the, was, that, was that the end of the relationship then? That was the end of the relationship, yeah. Um, yeah, I was pretty cut up so, over that. So, so how? I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm just digesting everything you're saying. So, what's the the period of time from the flight back from the L'Oreal show thing in London to your ex partner saying I can't do this anymore? What was the time frame? Well, we I had two years firstly on dialysis. So it was a long time, in fairness to him, and um, then I had a surgery, and within that six months, so probably two and a half years. Two and a half years. Yeah. Um, but I sunk into a massive depression after that. Like, it was really not good. Um, to the point that, like, when I went in to have the kidney taken out, and I finally agreed to it, I mean, we were after, we had to sell our house, we sold the car, I sold everything. I sold. I sold my wedding dress that I never wore. Um, wow! I just was crushed. I I lost lots of weight. I lost my hair, and then when they took me in to take the kidney out, um, I just didn't want to wake up. If I'm honest, I was praying that, well, it, that, that I wouldn't wake up from it. the surgery. Um, I actually it was the lowest point I've ever had in my life. I don't think I've ever felt that low, and I hope I never feel that low again. But um, and I didn't even think. I was the type of person to get that low because I was always quite positive about life. Um, mm. And I, even every time I talk about it, I get a lump in my throat because it's so hard for me to bring my mind back there. Well, I'm, like so I'm like not, I was saying to you before... This is meant to like, be a pos- positive experience. I don't want you to be 
Oops, no, uh, no, I'll no, be, no. I'll, I'll be getting letters from the listeners saying, brought you callous, nasty, <laughs> you horrible, horrible man. I've unsubscribed. I mean, if I could give this show no stars, I would do. You know, it'd be all these horrible... Uh, no, 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 no. I, the Jeremy I Paxman, the say. Jeremy Paxman of podcasts, they call me. <laughs> no, it's important. I think it's important because I... I think we said this before about um, it's so easy to talk about physical illness and with mental yes. illness, it's still that that stigma attached to that, it. So that that is a very valid point, Trudy, because um, I I I've had a, a week of the the Emerald Isle podcast guest <laughs> this week. I, I have actually done the another show this week with uh, Sinead Soff, who's the wonderful Miss Cheeky Pants, aka Elizabeth Soff's mum. And and she said something almost like for like is that if you've got a physical um, ailment, shall we call it, people um, will sympathise and probably because they can see it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, be kinder in yeah. theory. Um, but if you've got if you're dealing with demons in the mind, which you can't see, it's it's such a personal challenge because you know my mental state is different to yours and and everyone you know you might have you know I've got ADHD uh, which I've just been diagnosed with which I mean I could have told them that 45 years ago but um, you know I have things that I have to do each day that just makes my day easier if you're going through depression because your entire life has been turned upside down that is something internally you're struggling with and nobody no i mean you know it's a generational thing as well because our parents or older siblings or whatever it's all like oh you know yeah roll your sleeves get on with it stop being stop being a sissy and you know because i mean you could say sissy because obviously it was you know you couldn't say yeah yeah. (laughs) but it is that lack of understanding that if you can't see a problem it isn't actually there oh yeah absolutely um, yeah so what so when you so you're going in for the removal of your father's kidney yeah and at that point you've sold your wedding dress the house the car the life that you yeah, had is, is gone everything's gone and the kidneys also yeah. going so yeah. it's it's literally rock bottom completely yeah it was just broken like and, and how old so were you weight. at this? How much? How old were you at this point, Trudy? Um, to, I'd say by that point I was probably just nearly twenty nine. Yeah. Right. So really, you should be at your peak. Yeah. This is your twenties. Uh, before you really sort of your thirties when you life gets a bit more well supposedly serious <laughs> i mean mom nearly 50 my life's still still a joke <laughs> <even> <laughs> well you always think you have it sorted yeah, out yeah, and then yeah, you realize yeah. no i don't um, but um so you're in hospital in and out of hospital dialysis and um, what are they saying uh, what's the sort of update from the specialist once the kidneys removed i mean what what's well, I think I was very sick for a while because your body just um, needs time to recover after all of that. Like, mm. it's, it's, 
it was rejecting it. So it was like loads mm. of antibodies attacking uh, like this particular organ saying, get it out, it has to go out. Mm. But uh, so it took me a long time and they kept me in hospital for a long time. And also I was not in a mental state, a really good mental state. Um, like so that probably was, in the best place, safest place. Yeah, like place. five and a half, six stone, probably not, not really that good. Um, how, how much did you weigh when when we when I photograph you, True? Just I think so I can. I think about that. eight, probably about eight stone. Right, small, so like 20, an, 20, 20, I mean, you're very petite. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I think I've mentioned before. I felt quite confident about my height for one of the first times because <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a I'm a massive five foot seven and a half. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, so, like yeah, I'm, I am I mean, small naturally, very, so you, you can are, imagine yeah. even yeah, with more weight been... gone, it, it's it wasn't it wasn't so good. Like, I had no reserve. No. You had no reserve at that point, so uh, they keep you in just to make sure that everything goes back on, and obviously to get my head back to normal, uh, as normal as much as you can. Say how, how was how was it for you, your folks? I mean, you know, uh, they but... were. I'm sure my dad. My dad would is typically Irish and that he wouldn't tell you um, mm. but I could see in his face and actually the first time I used to always think like all girls think um, my dad was Bullet, like a superhero and he was yeah, fabulous bulletproof yeah bulletproof yeah. and never mm. and I remember it was the first time I saw my dad cry my whole life and I would kind of that even broke me more because I was thinking mm. you're meant to be yeah I thought that that didn't happen to you. yeah. And the yeah. first time I realised my dad's... And I was like almost Human. 30. Human. Yeah, yeah. Actually, no. Yeah. He's not mm. actually um, made of steel. Um, yeah. So, yeah. It was really hard to watch. But then it was round back into dialysis all over again. So that was... And the second time round, you have no... You don't have that naivety. So you know exactly what you're going back into. And the hard thing about kidney so, transplants is you don't know when... There's no end game. Like you, you don't know when you're going to get a transplant. You don't know how long you're going to be on dialysis. So I think with any illness, you're like, this is what it is, and this is how we fix it, and it can happen within that time. But now, and the second time around, I had to go on dialysis for a lot longer as well because your body was so. A bit... Just to um, sort of tell the listeners, I mean, we did discuss this when when you kindly came to my house in London. Um, how we we sort of guesstimated how many hours you'd done on dialysis. Can you just share that in, insane figure? Because yeah. I was still. I think it was. Was it like twenty thousand hours? Something I like think that? we. I think. I mean, my maths has never been my strong point, but I think we worked it out that it was about twenty one thousand six hundred hours. And that was only a guess because I'm presuming it's probably a little bit more actually. Which, I mean, if you, I mean, what, what's the process um, when you get in? Are you in a room on your own? Are you in your bed? What, how are you? What's the process for that? So um, you've got a little catheter. Well, I had one in my neck um, that you have to keep safe all the time that's prone to get infections. And they bring it in and you're in a room. Maybe so you've got a needle in your neck? A big, thick needle, like, in your neck. So I still have, like, I, a, I, a massive I actually, vein there. I've actually got a needle phobia. 
Oh, um, or you'd hate so I if, answer, so. So if I, if, I, if I go very quiet, which in itself would be a miracle anytime, so I've actually fainted. So I do apologise <laughs> to Trudy. <laughs> no, it's very graphic. So you've got, a, you've got a massive needle in your neck. Yeah, they've got like a, yeah, like a catheter, a little portal, um, kind right. of like the ones that they use for chemo. And right, okay. uh, that's where the blood comes in. Some, of them have, some people have them in their arms and stuff. My veins are too crap. But, um, yeah, you're in a room then in a bed with maybe 15 other people. 15 other people. So because Hang you're on. there... you're not in a bed with 15 people. Just to clarify. It's a massive, it's a massive bed. That's for a different show. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah, that's after, no, that's after the 9pm watershed. <laughs> that's not the PG show. <laughs> no, um, so so that you're in a room with 15 beds and 15 other people, people. All, have, all having dialysis at the same time. All having dialysis at the same and time. And how, how long... Is it for like an hour? Is it five hours? How, how do you have it the same amount of time each no, everybody time? Is, or? Everybody is different, um, but most of like I was four to five hours. That was my time. A day. A day. So. So um, what are you doing? I mean, are you just lying in bed? I mean, I suppose you're not really able to move around if you've got this whopping great needle in your neck, so, you? Yeah, that's the problem. You can't move too far and then you kind of, you get really tired and you get a lot of cramping because a lot of the fluid mm. is coming out of your body. So it's like the dehydration makes you cramp. Um, yeah. yeah, and on dialysis, you're not allowed to drink that much. So you can only have one glass of water or one glass of fluid a day. That's all. A day? A day. All I remember from Dallas has been really cold and really thirsty. Like, so much so that I actually don't think I've ever told anyone this, but I, I used to go, when I did have time off, like, go to shops and touch cold drinks. Because <laughs> I knew I couldn't drink them, and I was just like, I'm so thirsty all the time. Wow. Um, yeah. It's just you can't, because your body can't get rid of it. Any, any particular cold drink? Maybe no, we could try and get them to like, sponsor, sponsor please, the I episode. Please, I want to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Seriously? <laughs> Just like a can of Fanta or something like that. So literally, so like going in for an operation where you're not allowed. So you literally had a glass of water and would be hooked up to the dialysis machine for four or five hours in a go. What's the longest session of of dialysis you've, you've had? 12 hours, 12 hours. 12 hours? Yeah. So you're basically in this room with, say, 15 other people in their own respective beds. Just want to clarify that. Yeah. And, and, and what, so it's everyone just, sort of, is it just quiet and it's, everyone's just sitting there or lying no, there? No, the, actually you become kind of good friends with people. Like, you are very tired and some days you go in and you just want to go to sleep and mm. um, that's all you're able for. And then, I mean, you have all these ideals that you're going to learn a language while I'm sitting here so long, but actually you just don't have the brain capacity for it. Uh, but you do become friends with people. And I guess what people don't tell you about dialysis is that um, in any given week, maybe one or two people will pass away in that, that room with you. And what, whilst you're in the room? While you're in the room, yeah. Oh, Trudy. Yeah, because it's quite hard so on your heart, you know. Um, so if you have any underlying organs. problems like heart conditions or anything else, on top of that. So are you telling me that whilst you're having these 21,000 hours of... There were people literally passing away in the same room whilst you're having yours done? Yeah, I counted in the years that I was there. 
um, probably five or six, whatever I was on dialysis a long time. Um, I, I reckon I saw about 15 people pass away in that time. Jeez. And yeah. How, I mean, how was that on your... I mean, you, you, you candidly sort of saying, oh, yeah, my mental state was completely oh, shot to bits. I mean, how was it the first... I mean, were you aware that they were dying the first time? Or was it something that yeah, you could it was sort always of see? Like a, you know yourself a big... The nurses were always there and they all become your friends because obviously that meant it errors and Spend they're that, young yeah, guys, yeah. so that you become pals mm. with them. Um, but you could always see the rush will go to one bed and they'll pull the, the curtain around, around and there's a, all big, you know, urgency and... You just know oh that something's happened. And the worst thing is, obviously, that person has to lie there until somebody's, the morgue or whoever it is, has to come, I don't know, who comes okay. down to pick them up um, and take remove oh. them. So they're there for a couple of hours while you're there. Oh, true. And you've probably been talking to them like 20 minutes before that. So it's What? Not, yeah. It's, oh, my God. This is... I'm, I'm really just trying to compute all of this. Yeah. It's, so, that's a part of dialysis nobody really talks about, and I think they should, um, because I think that counselling has to be put in place for stuff like that yeah. as well, you know. So, I mean, when, when that happened the first time, were you aware of what was happening, or, or, or was it, I mean... I've, I've, no, awful. for the, the first time I saw that happen, and I actually thought, oh, someone's after having a, an adverse reaction, they're not yeah. well... They need some yeah. privacy, whatever, you know. Mm. Um, but, yeah, and then you realise, oh, this... And you become almost desensitised to it because by the fifth year I was on dialysis, I was just like, oh, another one bites the dust. <laughs> In, like, the kindest possible way, yeah. you were... I was, yeah. You just... You have to, like, not take it on. Yeah, well, it sounds... I mean, I, I mean, I, I, I can't. I'm just a bit speechless with you saying that. So, yeah. um, I mean... When you've come out of hospital um, after having your dad's kidney removed, mm -hmm. you and your partner have gone separate ways and then you've, you've obviously spent a bit of time in, you know, just get, get gathering yourself, getting your body and head strength back. Yeah. What what then? Did you move back in with your folks for a bit? I oh, mean, I did, what? yeah. Oh, God, I, like I had no... I had no other thing to do. Like, I had no yeah. cash. I had nothing. Uh, yeah, so I moved back in with my parents, which is like... Are you... <laughs> like, really frightened after all of that time away. Mm. And, um, you just and that, felt like that in itself must be... I mean, I remember just coming home... I mean, I loved my mum to bits, bless her. But I, I remember coming back from university just after being independent and living away. That adjustment oh, um, yeah. was always, always... I mean, it must have been hell for my mum as well, having me back in the house, bless her. <laughs> but, um, but also you kind of feel like you're gone backwards a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, how am I going to get myself out of yeah, this yeah. hole? And, and, yeah. and how, how was it for them? I mean, you've obviously... Um, you know, doing well now, which is great to see. Yeah. But, I mean, they must have been just worried sick. Oh, God, yeah. They were, like, if anything happens to your... Like, I don't have kids, but um, my mum's always like, of course we would do anything for any of you if I could mm. give... Like, if I had to go to let one of you stay on. Like, that's just how parents think, I'm presuming. Yeah. You know, yeah. they would just do anything for their children. 
So apart from share chocolate. That well. That, I mean, I do. That goes I mean, yeah, I mean, I do. <laughs> I do nick a lot of their chocolate and give them very little of mine. But everything else apart from that. <laughs> so, so you've you've gone through all of this. Um, you're having regular dialysis. I mean, what would be a, a an average week for you um, once you came out of hospital? How often were you having dialysis? Um, and then you're just at home resting, I suppose, were you? Yeah. The, well, obviously, we went into a massive recession there, so there was no work in Ireland at all. Mm. Um, mm. So we're, like, literally just before that, he couldn't have done enough work. I was at the top of my game. Like, I couldn't get a basic job, you know. Mm. And obviously, I was on dialysis, so I could only do... You're in dialysis three times a week. And yeah. you're totally spent on those days. There's nothing you can do. Um, yeah. And I was still quite down, you know. I was still, like, trying to get my head around, oh, my Fragile. life isn't yeah, going yeah. this direction anymore. It's going completely off course. So what to do? But I mean, I've, that in itself, just yeah. mentally having those challenges, um, which none of it's your fault. It's just, just unfortunately, the cards that were dealt. Yeah. Um, regardless of the physicalities of, of the challenges, mentally, you're just sort of thinking, why me, probably? Yeah. Yeah, all of that. And I was still, yeah, I was still really, I think it was six months I was just in an absolute dark hole. But mm. I remember being in dialysis one of the times and they come around and they check. Um, you do, they do your obs, you know, your blood pressure and all that kind of thing. There was a young doctor and he uh, had to, yeah, they check your ankles for fluid buildup to see. Check if, your ankles. Yeah, so if you have okay. fluid on them, it means that you need more dialysis. You have to stay there for another 12 hours or whatever right. it is. And um, he checked my leg, and of course, I hadn't been looking after myself. So I had these like Yeti style legs with hair <laughs> everywhere. And I remember he was a young guy, and his face just mm. was like in shock. I don't think he ever saw a woman without hair from her eyebrows down. So um, <laughs> I was quite hairy. And uh, I just laughed, and it was the first time I laughed in all of those years. Yeah. I was just like, he just, his face just made me laugh. And yeah. I remember ringing my sister straight away and being like, can you come in, bring a razor, Br bring, bring a hairbrush, an, uh, paper orbital, nails. Bring an orbital sand. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> and she came in, she did it, and she, I just felt human again. I just felt like, oh, remember, Fresh. I'm a person, I forgot. You just kind of forget yeah. you're in this such dark hole. Probably f feel like a punch bag. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what, what, just to jump in there, Trudy, one, one thing that I, um, up until I did vitiligo i'd never photographed a nude portrait of sorts and not everybody's nude and i just want you know you you had briefs on you yeah. just had them strategically placed covering uh, downstairs shall we put it but one thing i've learned with anybody that has had extensive surgical procedures is mm -hmm. that they almost feel as if their body's a third party yeah and they're a lot more uh, easy Free. about, but yeah, with their mm. bodies, you know, they're not. Um, I mean, some people are very um, feel very vulnerable, and you know, everything's done tastefully. Um, but I do feel that people that have extensive medical procedures are a bit more flippant almost because their yeah. body's been prodded and cut open and this and that. It's almost like a third. 
wheel. Yeah. If, it's, does that make a, sense? Does it's exactly what sense? happens to you because you're in hospital yeah. and like your body isn't actually your own. Like you, everybody's saying this is you have to do this and you have to eat this and you have to like put your arm out and like mm. get you have your, to shave your legs. legs. Yeah, and, like there's just <laughs> please, Trudy, shave your legs. <laughs> It's just people you, podding you've got You've got Gillette Venus, time, so. Gillette Venus coming round going, Trudy, for God's sake. <laughs> I'll get a pile of Venus razors now from this. <laughs> Maybe we could, I mean, I'm up for sponsorship. I mean, I need I need to be able to send a microphone to each subject. I mean, let's do this. Yeah, come on. Gillette, Gillette Venus want to jump on board. Let's do it. <laughs> for the I'm sake of this I'm going to tag them now when we do this. <laughs> If you're listening in, and I'm, and I need to shave my head every day as well. So you know, just we'll throw that one in. We'll into just put the it mix. out there anyway. Well, we might as well. You know, let's let's just be like a sandwich board covered in in, in corporate sponsors. So, um, so you, you that that was a trigger for you to maybe feel that you're coming out of this this. Fog it was like of depression. It was like a switch. moment. Yeah. yeah. It was one, and I think anyone that you'll probably interview will probably say the same thing. There's always that one moment that you realise, oh, I have I to can, get out. Yeah, move it's forward. It's do or die. Yeah. You're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. either going to just stay here or you're going to, yeah, you're still alive. You're still there. You're, everything can be stripped away from you, but you can, you're still. Apart from your leg hair. Except the leg <laughs> hair. <laughs> There's still, like, you still have your. Yeah, head and you're still there. The soul, and the soul do... is there. It just needed a jump start in Just needed a kickstart and a reminder. So, <laughs> so your beloved sister came in and gave you a bit of tender TLC, loving care yeah. that you that you needed, and and probably that would you say that was the the road, the long road to recovery. You just thought at that yes. point, I've yeah. got I've got to turn this around. Yeah, it was I mean, the, it, the point I was just like, you know what? There's no. This anybody that's in hospital should feel like this and should feel like they. I think you do go in. You're kind of like what you said. You're robotic. Your body's not your own anymore. So you just kind of give up on us. And there was that moment that I was like, you know, I can stay stuck in this mindset and just go down and down and down, or else I can get out of this. And mm. I'm still able to do everything that I could possibly do, just with some limitations. Um, yeah. And. It was the first time I was like, let's do this now. I'm, I'm, I'm ready. And I just wanted to give back a little bit. So I started up um, Raven, which is my business, that was able to um, bring beauty, beauty appointments to people yeah. in hospitals and homes and all of that kind of thing. And it really helped me have a focus. So, yeah. yeah. And probably helping others. Uh, I think it... it, it it also humbleizes. If it humbleizes is a word, I probably don't know that. Um, but it make if you're doing something for someone else in need, it kind of makes you feel good. If yeah. nothing, it gives you that injection of. Because I suppose you, you know, for such a long time, you're in the hands of all the nurses, the doctors, the surgeons, the specialists. Yeah, you're feeling helpless. Um, yeah, I and mean, a like very, you, a you very do worth... become institutionalized. Like, in a, I don't know how to say that properly, that it's not like, it does feel like that you don't have an option when your dinner is, when your lunch is, you just get up and get told what to do. And it's all very strange, you know, so yeah, yeah, you kind of do have to remember who you are again. And yeah, just, just bring, bring something back to your life, really. Yeah, and take control. 
So Raven Beauty, um, which we're going to give a plug to, obviously, um, is now something you've been doing for how how many years now? Probably about, probably about four years now. So, yeah. yeah and, and can you sort of tell the listeners what you do? Um, I mean, you've obviously touched on it briefly. but Yeah, I, mean, so I built an app that allows people to um, book beauty appointments to their homes so like people that can are I, sorry can i just interrupt there yeah. you've built an app well i tried my best i learned how to so yeah go on what coding i learned how to do a tiny bit of coding really badly oh, but it was go. i was able to give the idea to actual coders and help me right. build it so yeah i did a bad job of it obviously but um it gave me something to focus on and i was able to talk to people even if i had the terminology a little bit more yeah. Doing it. But yeah, and that allowed people to book appointments to, to their home that they couldn't, people that couldn't get in that were probably at a disadvantage. A lot of, I do, in London, I'm sure it's the same, you know, they don't have wheelchair access. There's mm. no, I mean, there's some kids that have autism and the parents yeah. can't get into it. It's just too much stimulation. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, nursing homes and hospitals and yeah, just to make people feel a bit human again and feel like, they're not left out, like a little bit more of diversity. Not forgotten, not forgotten. Yeah, exactly. So, so basically what you're doing is you're giving that moment of clarity and what your sister gave you to others in, yes. in a nutshell. That's exactly it. What's your sister's name out of interest? Tanya. Tanya. <laughs> so Tanya came in. Another T. Yeah. And the two boys are Jay in my house, so I think she's she was doing a Kardashian vibe on it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when when you're when you sort of set Raven Beauty up and you you started that, you're obviously still having dialysis at this yeah. point. Yeah. No. Well, by the time it was kind of, I was at the end of that, and um, my mom then said. You know, I think it's it's not looking likely that I'll get a, another transplant from the list because I'm full of antibodies now, and mm. um, some people are lower down on the list because their body fights so hard to get rid right. of. So I had to get right. someone that was like a hundred percent match, and my mum happened to get tested after a lot of back and forth of me being I can't do this again. What if it doesn't work out? Um, and she was a hundred percent match, and the doctor said, "Wow, it will be." You know, That's obviously there's some well, risk, but yeah. Mm. So it doesn't I, really get better than a hundred percent, does it? Doesn't get better than hundred percent. I've never looked back since I got my mum's kidney. It's not like I never have had so, any problems. So t touch wood. Oh, so yeah. when, when, um, when was this? Uh, when twenty when... fourteen. So you had your dad's kidney out in twenty when. So to uh, 2010 or 11? 2010, yeah. okay. And then 2013 with your mum. Yeah. So, and, and it was something that your mum your mum brought up or so she just said, look, I think we need to at least yeah. look into that. Yeah, she was like... So, so basically you've got, had one of your dad's kidneys yeah. and, and one of your mum's kidneys. Yeah. <laughs> and your dad's kidney... Was what percentage match? I think it was ninety four. I think something like ninety four percent. So, 
So both in quite a, high, but just not enough. No, I, I mean, think. well, a hundred percent is is like really high. I mean, yeah, like really. you can't get better. Like <laughs> yeah. we're like twins, obviously. But do, does your, I mean, without sounding like a very dark, twisted person, which I am when it comes to humour, do, does your mum take the Mickey out your dad because her kidneys? done the job oh, his should have done okay, of course we have the darkest sense of humor in our family like i don't think other people will sometimes understand that but yeah yeah of course he does yeah my, my, i mean my I, mom totally I do, gives him a hard time and i do think that um you have to have some in, humor in most definitely i mean i honestly think that in in this um you know in these dark times humor really does play you you have to laugh at things, otherwise you would you would cry and crumble. I think. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there's no doubt about that. There's so, no doubt. So now, I mean, we're talking um, twenty twenty two, and was it twenty nineteen? I think it was twenty nineteen. We, sh- I mean, oh. I I really should have read the production notes second time round. <laughs> I think it was twenty eighteen or twenty nineteen because then obviously then we went into COVID. Uh, I've got a feeling it was eighteen. You know. Yeah, actually, it probably was. Probably was. Um, I mean, that's really bad that I haven't read my production notes. <laughs> I mean, I should I should have this, and I should have your sister's name on the paper as well. I just haven't read anything. That's a, it's better to go ad hoc on it. But, well, um, I, I like to shoot from the hip. Um, yeah, you get it, better it, it, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so you've So basically for nine years you've had your mum's kidney. For nine years now, yeah. yeah. So. And, and when, I, um, when I emailed you, I reached out to you to ask you to do this because I... You know, I, I mean, I've, I've got a pool of over 500 people that I could pester and annoy and ask to kindly share their, their journeys, their stories with, with this. Um, but, I mean, you were one of the first people I, I did think of just purely because of the amount of hours of dialysis and, and the journey that you've gone through. Yeah. And to, and to be so um, honest about you know, how low you were and how amazing you are now. Um, um, I mean, it, I mean, it's just quite an incredible story that not one but both parents um, have given a, a kidney. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's, it is quite my... I mean, it's, it's, it's like a Hollywood film. <laughs> well, hopefully, imagine we'll put that out um, there as well, just in case you can have some I mean, of the rights. If, 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 who, first of all, who, who would play your dad? Oh, I love the guy at Breaking Bad. I think he would be really good for my dad. What, um, Bill Chryson? Yeah, how cool. Yeah. I'm actually, do you know what? It's funny you should mention that because I, that is, I just love that series. I'm re, I'm redoing it from the start again. Oh, it's I think such it's third a good time. series. Very so, good. Bill, Bill to play your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, who would play your mum? Oh, I don't know. Never thought of my mum in that situation. It has to be. What was this? The funny one that he did before, and the mad mum that had like, she was really uh, mouthy. Is it thingy in the middle? That so, one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm in the, in the middle. middle. The mother out of that. And and finally, who who would play you? Of course, Reese Witherspoon. Who else? Who 
Who else could Reese play Reese Witherspoon. I did... I can't remember. There's a joke with Reese Witherspoon. It was... Um, it, I, uh, I, I can't remember what it was, but it's something about being stabbed with a knife and it's like, no, with a spoon. <laughs> uh, I, can't, I, I, I can't remember That's the joke. That's such a really good meme, actually. That's a very good meme. <laughs> yeah. Did, did Reese kill her with a... Oh, I can't remember it. I mean, this is, this is brilliant. Brilliant broadcasting here. Um, I can hear myself for some reason. Can you... I can hear myself on your end. Oh, oh, maybe. Hang on, hang on. Let me see. Okay. Your face again. That's that low, of... so you shouldn't be able to hear yeah, now. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And you're recording external mic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to leave this bit in as well because that that will paint a picture of our well, we our have journey, to, we? our journey. <laughs> And I say it would be like getting the, the National Express coach from Aberdeen down to Exeter. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do enjoy talking to you, joking apart. I mean, it is, I mean, you're, so you as Reese Witherspoon, or Witherspoon as you, um, yeah. dad is Bill Chryson. And who was mum again? Or did we, did we? Uh, Malcolm in the Middle's mum has to be Malcolm there, in the Middle's mum. And what about your sister? Who would play your sister? Do you oh. and your sister look similar? No, we're the total opposite. She's like black curly hair. She's like a solicitor. She's complete opposite life and everything to me you now. Like, yeah, we're opposites. <laughs> but obviously good at with an orbital sander with those <laughs> legs, getting those legs. <laughs> <laughs> she had to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, taking one for the team, bless the cotton socks. So, um, what we were ta actually talking about, it was about your your pictures. I think we'd got to that point. Oh, and, that's and exactly what we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, um, and and obviously this is why we're talking because everybody that I I kindly get to speak to has you know been documented by me for various series. What. When you um, agreed to, to come out kindly visit in London and, and, and how was it, not because I've taken the pictures, I'm not sitting here for you to, you know, say wonderful things, but, but for you looking at yourself, because that, that is all that I'm kind of concerned yeah. about. What, what, what was it like seeing yourself through my pictures? Yeah, well, I, that's what I think it's so important because it's actually really turned, made me think differently about my scars. Like, they're um, not that I was self-conscious because, uh, like what you said, you do end up thinking it's like a different part of your body, like, uh, like having it's a, an experience with Someone else's body, yeah. But, um, and I wasn't shy at all taking, <laughs> like, taking my clothes off or anything like that, but... Um, I just think it made such a huge difference to see myself in a different light that like actually you can get through anything at any point and that's why it's so important the work that you do um not only for the subjects you know for really um opening their eyes to you know seeing themselves in a different way but for other people reading reading them and watching them and um, and now listening to them and now listening yeah and and reading the stories behind the scars and and not only scars and like all of the other mm. um, things that you do, 
Like it's so important because it gives people hope and inspiration and... Um, I think for me it's about if, if someone can relate um, to your words and, and, and look at your images, and, and again, not because they're documented by me, but um, I think there's nothing I, I enjoy more is when people from any given series connect post yeah. having their pictures taken because they may have related to that or you know there is there's someone who knows someone who can relate to that and then they can get in touch with you and and share their experiences and vice versa and i think it's it's quite a cathartic it's almost like this family tree where the primarily the the series is the trunk yeah but the subjects of the branches and then the leaves of people growth, yeah. that... Yeah, it has yeah. an absolute domino effect on yeah. everything, yeah. It's kind of... And I actually don't even think you realise um, the people you touch along the way with with doing this series. Like, it's... You probably will never know. I mean, there's people that will comment on something and there's people that will take it, you know, into their soul but not ever say anything. So I think it does have that little effect on a lot of people and sharing and... But I do think that it is, I mean, I always do say I am the middleman, um, if I'm allowed to say middleman without it sounding sexist. <laughs> um, but, but um, you know, I am, I'm just, I'm just put, you know, I, I see potential in the people uh, and all people that apply. But also, you know, people sort of say to me, what, you know, what, why do you pick them and, and you know, what's there and it's generally to get a really good cross-section of subject matter within within a given series yeah but it's also your journey um i had a there's a, a woman that um tagged me in one of her reels um which is a whole new thing for me reels on i know i've been around for a while but i'm 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 not personally posting reels but i was tagged in one of her reels um and she you know she had an accident as a child and and um she said that she she followed the page and and obviously all the amazing people that i get to photograph but she's quite transient with with her her life and she's away abroad a lot and and then she she reconnected with me literally this past week and she's sent in her application pictures but her her experiences in life are so uh, like yourself you know just really need to be shared um yeah. and it's almost like my the images for me are are almost uh, always secondary to your life your experiences because i see something in that the fact that you've had, you know, I keep harping on about 20,000 hours. You've had kidneys from both your parents. Mm -hmm. You know, you lost everything. And you've you pulled yourself up and and now we're talking. Yeah. Um, is, is, is a feather in your cap, Trudy. I'm not trying to embarrass you, but, I mean, you have been through the ringer. Yeah. Um, more I than once. And you, we're sitting here and you're candidly... You know, we joke about stuff because, you know, what I want people to know is that I'm not just being this callous, you know, dark, <laughs> dark 
humoured person. You know, we do, we have spoken, you know, on many occasions. This isn't me just cold calling. Um, but you have, you are amazing in, in what you've you've come back from. Yeah, I mean, but you really I think are. it's sad that it takes um, a crisis or uh, something, tragedy to happen for people, for you to have that epiphany moment of like, actually, when your back is to the wall, nothing matters except family or whatever you consider family, whatever makeup mm. that is, and your health. Like, nothing else matters. When you're on your deathbed, there's no way you're thinking of, like, I used to think, why, why did they not pick me for that job? You know, why did they not? Why did that photographer not pick me for that shoot? Why did, mm. you know, for stupid things. And then you're thinking, why did I waste time thinking of that? Yeah. I don't care. Like, now I don't care. Like, I think of, I mean, I won't tell any investors that try and invest in my company. <laughs> I don't care about money. But, like, it's not, it's not a, a thing that comes into my mind anymore. And I know that if I lost everything again, it's made me braver. If I lose everything again, I know I, I'll just start again. You can just start so, again every single day. Yeah. So, um, and that, that, that is a very good, um, good way of looking, outlook on life. I mean, I remember when we spoke earlier this week, briefly, that... Um, you now look back at, at that, that what you thought at the time, perfect life. Um, you know, the house, the, the husband, the career, the this, the that, the other. And now, you know, older, only a little bit older, yeah, wiser, yeah. wiser. Um, you know, your, your outlook on life and your wants and needs from life are very much simplified. Completely, yeah. I, like, yeah, I look like back at very... that and think, who the hell was that woman? Like, no, I, I don't have any um, connection to that really anymore. It's just like, I don't know what would have happened if some, if, if I didn't have this tragedy, like what my life would have been like. It would have been completely different. Um, we wouldn't have done this podcast, no. which in itself, the fact we've done it twice, um, you know, it would be a tra <laughs> travesty of broadcasting that we... <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> So, um, so moving forward, Trudy, I mean, how, how, first of all, how many operations did you, so you had two operations, one, no, three. So you had your dad's kidney put in. Yeah. Your dad's kidney taken out. Yeah. And then your mum's kidney put in. Yeah. So you had, you had three operations, but then a hell of a lot of dialysis. Dialysis, and then I mean, I oh know I'd had tons. I had, I think, twelve or thirteen surgeries. I'd imagine all through that time, you know. But what, um, what were the other surgeries for? And you had to have it, sometimes they tried to do fit me with another um, catheter in the stomach, you know, to try and do a different type of dialysis, and yeah, lots of different um, catheters for around seat, me. Yeah. yeah, lots of lots of different surgeries, and then just recently I had a cancer scare, so. Yeah, <laughs> which, it's never which, a dull moment. Um, which I'd like to now uh, delve into, if that's all right, Trudy, because when I did reach out to you uh, recently to kindly ask you to, to do this, you you flippantly responded. I mean, it was so blasé, oh, and I've just had a, a cancer scare, as if it was like you'd stubbed your toe. <laughs> um, again, I mean, your resilience is... is, is is more than admirable. I mean, can you tell us what, what happened there? Yeah, so um, when you have a transplant, you have to take uh, anti-rejection medications which suppresses your immune system. So it means I'm open to 
um, cancers, really like skin cancer, especially and cervical cancer for women. Um, so they found a lump on my cervix. And yeah, luckily I get checked a lot more than regular people. So it's they, they got it, but I had to have some surgery, but I feel okay. So and I laugh at more, myself more because scars. I'm like, you Do couldn't we have make more it up. scars? More scars now? A little, yeah. Yeah, not big though, so it's not so bad. Yeah. So you're not coming back for, for portrait <laughs> number two? I don't think you'd like a portrait of that, would you? No. <laughs> Jeez, yeah, I, 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 I didn't. I wasn't actually thinking, as you can probably tell when I'm honestly coming back for another. Uh, dear. Well, Faith Valley was really good up till uh, episode three, and then Brock dropped the ball. <laughs> um, so we got, we've got. I mean, I actually don't know how much longer we've got because we, we both had uh, post, post people and, and Amazon arriving at the door. Um, so what, what is your... If, if there is someone listening in who is embarking on a, a, a very similar path as, as to your late noughties and, and teens, I don't, I, don't, what, what, I don't know what they're called... Um, or they've got a family member or a partner or, or you know, someone that they, they care very much for. What what would be your survival kit? Oh, in a, um, in a... Yeah, I, I guess you're 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 gonna have bad days and stuff, but it's important to to keep your sense of humour about it and uh keep your family close, I guess. That's the, the main thing. Again, like people have different forms of families that could be your friends that are are closer than family, but just to keep your support group there, I think it's really important when you're in those moments that you don't feel alone um, and they can keep you going through your hard times. But I think just to remember that, you know, everybody dies in the end. <laughs> Nobody gets out alive. So uh, just try and live every little day as you can, as best you can. Do you, do you, do you feel now that you do, uh, and I've, I, I think I asked this, um, of of Daniel Dommel, who who nearly died in a horrendous car accident. I mean, do you do you genuinely each day? Are you more? Do you feel more grateful than you did pre all of this kidney? Um, genuinely, nonsense? some days I don't want to get out. But you you know, everybody has those days where you're like, I could have done to get out of bed, but. Yeah, I always. You ne you nearly gave this an eighteen rating then. You, <laughs> what you what you mouthed. <laughs> there we I go. Did, yeah. Here we go. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> then I just think back to when times when I couldn't actually physically get out of bed, and it gives me a kick up the bum to get out and to to get on with it. But um, yeah, and I, I, I hate the word grateful because I think it's branded around so much by people online that it's lost all meaning. But I do think. I try and get the best out of every day. And if a day goes crap, I think, well, tomorrow will be better. And I, I genuinely try and think, I, I definitely think it changes your mental makeup once you've had some form of tragedy. Yeah, definitely. And um, if I remember correctly, you have now uh, completed a marathon of sorts. Yeah, <laughs> I do a lot of trail running and I love trail running. Um, and yeah, and I love nature. So you've actually out. run full marathons. Yeah, well, I've done I've done two, and now I just do 
like do you trail get spon- runs. Do you get sponsored? Yeah, I'd like to, to do, do that, that. yeah, for, when I can. For the Brockhill Bank Foundation, yeah, That's, something like that. But I'll do the next time, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> oh, we've got merchandise in the post. Um, so you've, you've run a couple of... In, in Ireland, or have yeah. you... Well, H- how are they? How so are they? I mean, the marathon coming up now in October. I'm not sure whether I'll do it this year. Um, I think I'll just stick with the half ones now. Uh, you know, just to still, still thirteen miles. I mean, that's I mean that's grueling. Yeah, I'm super fit now. I'm super like I, I. That's another thing. I keep on top as much as I can. Um, not to say that I don't love a Guinness here and there as well, but balance you know friends of uh, the show if, if they want to send me some naught percent as that's that's all that uh, the guinness gods allow me these come days come on guinness get on this come on come on guinness the amount of money i've put into your coffers over the years <laughs> just get guinness i'm just going to in, 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 interview irish subjects from now on into, <laughs> yeah. until guinness and whiskey what more could you want <laughs> just just naught percent guinness i'm not i'm not even after the alcoholic stuff just the uh <laughs> so um so now you literally have to, I suppose you do live a, a much healthier existence because you have to. I mean, I, you yeah, know, I, think I mean, I have no you... choice, but um, it does make me really think about, yeah, should I eat that or will I eat that? It won't make me feel good. Um, mm. Yeah, but like also I, I don't want to lie for a bene- There are benefits to that though as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. So uh, just to sort of finish on with just with this marathon thing. So how long after your last the your mum's kidney? Mm-hmm. Um, we'll call it MC. <laughs> okay, MK even MC. What am I thinking of? MK. What? How long after that did you uh, do your marathon? Your first marathon. I. Started training about three or four months after I've had the four transplant. Four months? Yeah. Just slowly trap And I did my first my first race about four months afterwards. I think it was a five, only a 5K, but um, I was delighted with myself. Ks. Yeah. But, I mean, are you allowed to do that? that yeah, that's... yeah. After, after three months, you're able to kind of get back into it. Yeah. yeah. So you did a 5K run three months after having a kidney transplant. Yeah, that's how much your life has changed around that you can actually, you're just almost feel better straight away. You know, you feel so much better. Did, 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 do you literally feel sort of, you just feel better? That, oh, that like soon? literally the minute you wake up from your surgery, you're better. You just feel like, oh, remember, wow. this is the way I used to feel. Like, yeah, almost immediately. And how, how was your mum? Was she... So, unfortunately she... for her side, she doesn't feel so good, but um, <clears throat> we kind of got through it together. We're in hospital at the same time. Um, it, she was in one room, I was in the other room, so we were able to go into each other as well. So it's kind of nice the way they, they do that, and the nurses are yeah. really kind. Uh, so that's lovely. But I won't be training too much over the next while because it takes up too much of your... It takes up too much of your life. It's actually a, a big lifestyle, and... I'm trying to foster at the moment, so I'm going through the process of that. Um, Amazing. So I don't think I'd have the time to put into a full marathon anymore, but like maybe. But pushing a little buggy around. Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when I lived in Australia, I used to um, take my beloved Monty Dalgleish Shellbank, my staffy, on a seven k run every morning. And you used to see all the, the eastern suburb mums with their bugaboos and, and what have you running around the bay. Um, 
So I'm, I, I'm just saying, you know. You never know. You never know. You never know. <laughs> so with the with the fostering process, what? Tell me a bit about that, because I mean this is a, an amazing thing you're saying. So how long ago uh, did you decide you wanted to do this? I was thinking of it last year during lockdown, and I thought, well, I'm at a point now in my business and everything where I can kind of do a lot of work from home, and also financially a little bit better than I I was, and. Because of all my surgeries, I'm, I, I can't have kids, but uh, I think I could give back. How, how, what, I mean, that is amazing. Just to jump in there, I mean, yeah. how, how was that being told that you weren't able to, to have kids? Um, well, I've kind of made my peace with it now, but I think I was, I was a, a little bit caught up. There is a point, um, okay, so maybe there's a small fraction of women that this doesn't happen to where... You don't feel the clock ticking as such, but I mm. actually do think it's part of your genetic makeup where you're, yeah. it's like your body's telling you something's, yeah, you've got you to do something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it did, it did happen and I was like, sure I wasn't in a relationship or anything, so uh, not that that matters anymore. Um, yeah, I was a little bit cut up, but then I just kind of made peace with it and I was like happy that I'm healthy and yeah, yeah. And a lot of people that do have transplants can have babies. I just, I specifically couldn't. Um, right. Yeah, so there's all. Well, keep like keep us updated on that because that that sounds amazing. Yeah, well, it's very early days for me. Like there's sixteen. If you need any interviews. references, if you need any references, yeah. You know where to go. <laughs> <laughs> that nervous laugh. Yeah, I'm like, what would he say? <laughs> well, I mean that. I think that's a very. Um, very positive note to end on Trudy and um, I really do appreciate your your honesty and I'm I really am in awe of your your spirit and and I, I really do think you're quite incredible and I don't just say stuff like that I don't say that lightly I mean revisiting you know what you've gone through and and how you do it with such grace is is quite you know it's a, a feather in your cap, shall we say. So I am hoping and, dare I say, praying to the broadcasting gods that we've recorded this properly. <laughs> so am I. It's so looking I, like we're, we're 24 minutes in, so yeah, you're OK. Yeah. So for, take 604. Take. So <laughs> I am going to say thank you, Trudy Hayes, from my Scar Series, for coming on Face Value. And, um, See you soon. Thank you for your time. Bye-zy-bye. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>